Welcome to TBT with Grace and Emma, a podcast on the millennial generation and how we came to be. I'm Grace. And I'm Emma. On this week's episode, we discuss the emotional labor of reading the news. We cover some recent data on retirement and personal finance savings. And Emma and Grace haunt your airwaves with a musical TBT. (laughs) But not that one. (laughs) It's a different one. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Grace. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, been traveling a lot. Yeah. You too. For work. Both of us still on the road, you know. Thank you. Chasing that paper. <laughs> Thank you, late stage capitalism. <laughs> I feel some type of way about you on a macro level, but on a micro level, the benefits are robust. Well, you know what? I think it's a sign that as much as we move into a uh, technology-enabled world, people still appreciate in-person interactions. Yeah. Oh, that's so real. Yeah. The in-person is real. Yeah. That's why I'm traveling. I mean, it's stuff that, like, okay, is there a way to facilitate it virtually? Probably. But does it have the same effect or same sort of demonstrated impact? Yeah. I went to my office in New York this past week and had one 20-minute meeting, and I was like, that is the most productive 20-minute... That's the most mm. me- productive meeting I've yeah. had in the past, like, th- like, like t- two months, mm-hmm. in large part, because I was just, like, sitting in a room with the person getting information from him. And right. we've had, like, Zoom calls, and every time I leave the Zoom call feeling, like, sort of confused. Yeah. Just like, sitting down in a room with that person, and I was like, great, I got clarity. Yeah. Um, also, I'm sipping on a lavender latte, yeah. and they did this cute thing where they put little, like, lavender seeds at the top of it, but, like, now I sip, and I just oh. get, like, mouthful of lavender seeds. What, Can I... what inspired you to drink? Oh, I was just going to ask if I could name it. Yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry, that was lavender seed. Grace got in my car. Grace got in my car today, um, or should I say my dad's car today that I was driving, and um, because I can't afford my own because I have crippling student, it's not crippling because I have student debt. Um, Grace got in my car today and I was like, oh my God, you smell so good. And she was like, I don't know why. And then she was like, it's my deodorant. Yeah. Which also is, was my like post-flight shower it was just like, well, there's no time to shower, but <laughs> your shower, we still try to smell good. Your shower was your all natural lavender deodorant. Yeah. What brand is it? Um, it's, uh, underarmed. Okay. It's like natural, like made out of non-chem, like herbally, I don't know, paste. <laughs> Say it, it with more enthusiasm. We have a well, potential sponsorship here. Well, true. Well, it does the trick for me. Um, I've stopped using, uh, deodorant with aluminum in it. Like mm-hmm. I was a long time Dove user and, um, I don't know. I just figured, ah, this seems like better for my health, and I don't, I don't sweat all that much. Mm-hmm. I will say there are days when I don't make it through the day smelling very good because <laughs> I'm using like this paste. But um, generally speaking, it really does the trick. I will say I also know that it is real because I've worn it to my sister-in-law's house, and she's allergic to lavender, and for sure was like sneezing because of my, oh, no. because of my pits. Um, oh no! But, yeah, 
my armpits are making you allergic. But I'm glad it smells good. I yeah. think it smells nice. Yeah, I agree. And I don't really like fake lavender smell a lot of the time. This is all real. All real, baby. That's great. Yeah, how are you? I'm I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm okay. I think I was like pretty down earlier today. I was like wondering if like this was going to be the pod where like I just got real. But I'm feeling mm. a lot better now that I've had caffeine, so like what are we going to get real about? Um I think I'm like feeling a little Honestly, I was I part of it was that I've really hard time reading the Sunday paper now. Yeah. I think like I really don't read the news that much anymore during the week, mostly because I, like, keep hitting fucking paywalls because, like, my computer keeps resetting all my passwords, and I, like, am sorry that I can't remember all the passwords. So I don't really read the news all that much, and I was reading the New York Times, and, like, I just remember reading it in high school, and, like, whether or not this was grounded in reality or whether or not this is, like, purely because I was more idealistic, like, I just feel like all of the stories are just, like, so foreboding, and they all end in, like, a thesis that's essentially, like, and there's no hope. And I, like, or the systemic issue is so large. Yeah. And I am just feeling a little, like, it's tough. And then I was prepping for the pod, and we're going to talk about retirement, and I'm really excited to have that conversation. But, like, essentially the thesis is, like, there are major systemic issues here that are putting a whole generation at a disadvantage in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and that are like in essence also undoing a lot of progress like they talk about like the widening disparities in retirement um savings across lines of race i'm like fuck like in many ways i'm not sure that we're moving in the direction that i assumed we'd be moving in when Mm -hmm. i was 15 like Mm -hmm. i thought we had the tools and the knowledge to really like set ourselves up for success um And then I had brunch with two friends, and one of my friends was talking about, like, just in her field, which is architecture, how people... There was this manifesto that was published in in a Harvard publication where people were talking about, like, being really disillusioned with the fact that, like, as architects, a lot of their talent is just going toward... um, And I'm summarizing it, and I don't have the whole scope, but, like, a lot of their talent is going toward, like, just architecturing developments that are that are really just about building capital right. and and really just about putting money in the pockets of developers. Yeah. To in in very that's one piece of it. Mm-hmm. So my Sunday started off with me having some existential crises. Yeah. Over brunch. Right. No, but I I'm glad that I'm glad that you're sharing it. I mean, I think we so often have Sundays like that mm. or Tuesday afternoons or, you know, Thursday coffee breaks where we just end up being consumed by the weight of exactly what you're describing which is like where are we um how do we be responsible consumers of media while also like not walking away from that consumption feeling um less empowered to solve the challenges that they're covering yeah and and also like how much of the consumption is about identifying these systemic problems and then like having the like privilege of turning off your laptop or putting away your phone and being like okay I'm gonna like disassociate but like I know there's a lot around like disassociating from media in a positive way like getting rid of social media like as part of your existence constantly but a lot of it too is like I can bury my hand head in the sand or I can 
live my life paying close attention to the micro interactions that I have, which are like yeah. net positive. Like there's a lot of great stuff happening in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not really doing anything to solve for the macro. Yeah. Nor am I really having a lot of those conversations about it in real time. Is this so I'm I'm also wondering, is this um obviously an exceptional political time? Yeah. Coinciding with this point where we're transitioning from being idealistic young people into being like hardened uh, um, realists, Cynic- cyn- cynics. Well, like cyn- not. We don't cynics- even have cynicists. to move the, the the needle all the way over to yeah. cynicism. But yeah. you know, I think especially people working in education who have like you know worked for the cause, not for the money, for a long time. Um, you have to be driven by an idealism. And mm-hmm. so for us to feel like, well, we've been doing all of this work and we're, we're just coming up against walls, I think it's really hard to then reckon with that idealism that has driven us professionally and personally for so long. Yeah. Not to mention that both of us transitioned from the nonprofit yeah. and public <laughs> sectors into the private sector. Right, right. As, yeah. as we get disillusioned with what, what kind of progress we can make. And not only disillusion, but, like, I was also thinking about incentive structures Mm. and, like, thinking about it on a micro level because it's something... Sorry, I'm, like, brushing up against this shoe. Do you want to push it over a little? No, it's okay. I'm just going to sit up straight instead of slouching. Okay. Um, But, like, not only is the system... The system. Not only is, like, working within the public space and working within the nonprofit space, like challenging because of just the work at hand, but yeah. the incentive, sorry, <laughs> the closet uh, like, is like, did the closet drink? <laughs> I think just Are like... we getting bigger? I don't know what's happening. I feel like Alice in uh, oh, Wonderland. Sorry. In Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Oh, I was like, who's Alice? <laughs> um, yeah, there's no like, like I'm in disillusion because the incentive structure is not there Yeah, to incentivize people um to, to work on the problem yeah, yeah to work on the to work on the issues so yeah yeah i also think it it um it i'm excited to see i've just been doing research recently on media literacy and sort of the initiatives happening in that space and it's really exciting to see um efforts to make sure that younger people who are in K12 prog- you know school systems right now are better equipped to navigate like reading news and figuring out how to take away from news, like not um, understanding that media has an, an edge that media that like news stories are crafted in a way to convey a perspective and how to sort of deconstruct and understand where the sort of the context of the writing is, what they're hoping you're taking away. Like, I think that also will help, younger people who are growing up in this age of feeling like you truly can't refresh your computer without some new story and the likelihood of it being disheartening or disillusioning, um, being really high, um, to have the tools to actually process and read through it and take away the important parts. Um, but, but who knows if that's enough. But it's yeah. nice that schools are, are, you know, thinking about how to integrate that. At least at a policy level, there's more effort to include that in curriculum. Yeah. I mean, I think we can never doubt the kid. Like, 
the youths always know. The youths are so discerning, right? But but it, what I guess I'm arguing is that it's not it's not that they're not sensitive and able to understand, but it might allow them to have a healthier relationship than we do. Yeah. Because they understand that there's, I don't know, if you grow up having more tools to, I don't feel like I, like as much as maybe we integrated news stories into my school experience, um, I never had intentional media literacy curriculum. Yeah. Um, hey, well, yeah, so I did, br- I did, I brought, I brought us there. I hope that's okay. Oh my gosh, of course, of course. It's, it's one of, I mean, as with anything, it's helpful to hear that someone else has those feelings. <laughs> yeah. What is the slogan from the, it's time to get real. What is it? Stop, stop something and get, oh, 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 it's from the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the seven strangers live in a loft, stop it when, be, stop being nice and, and start, start being, being real. real. <laughs> is that what it is? Anyway, yeah, well, mm. I was with two youths yesterday, Gen Zers, uh, sophomores in high school. Apparently, the '90s are officially back. I'm so glad you say that. Okay, my cousin. Yeah. She had prom yesterday, and she had after prom at her house, and she had made this mix that was playing both inside where like me and her aunt and uncle were hanging out, and outside where she and her friends were like celebrating post prom at midnight or whatever. All of the songs were like Weezer, and uh. it, it's so I, I like. The 100% the 90s are back. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so, so glad. So tell me more about what you learned from the youths. Well, well, just that. Yeah. Apparently a lot of them shop at vintage stores. They, like, don't believe in going to, like, Forever 21 and H&M. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I just thought, like, with Ariana Grande bringing on NSYNC as part of Coachella, like, obviously that was a huge tribute yes. to the 90s. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I've got. Good old Joey Fatone. Uh, Joy Fatone meets Hitting Coachella. The stage Has again. he ever been at Coachella? Coachella started like after they were kind of gone. Coachella started in the eighties and then stopped and then started again. I thought it started in like two thousand one. I think that's when it restarted. Oh, but two thousand one, yeah. they would have been around. Sort of, yeah. Wait, that's a really good question. But has Joey Fatone played Coachella? Siri, has Joey Fatone played Coachella? I don't have Siri, so I don't know. Think, I mean, not like a solo set, maybe. Right, 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 right. Although I wouldn't surprise, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like sponsored by like Smirnoff to go like DJ a set in a side. Oh my god! What? Yeah, no, I think you're so right. Oh, also, what is InSync reuniting without Justin? Oh my god, that'd be so great. People have been talking about it, huh? Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't get a quick answer. So okay, that's not okay. able to provide that we'll info. Com- we'll come back to it. Um, what do you got on your end? Any fun tidbits? Um, millennials aren't killing camping. In fact, um, according to Curbed Online, they make up 41% of all campers, which wow. is a lot of campers. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, makes sense. It's like. You know, depending on the gear that you have or, like, the certain type of camping you do, it can be a really low-cost, you know, getaway alternative. But, um, yeah, that, that, um, you know, 
maybe it's oh, this this posits that maybe it's the allure of Instagram. Although I will say, as like a city kid, millennial, who has never camped ever except for one night because her geology class in college <laughs> made her go, I would not go just to take an Instagram photo. I feel like you have to kind of commit if you're going to sleep outside. Yeah. I mean, uh, and other very quickly, quick yes. update. Yes. Uh, millennials in politics. Oh, yes. The Black Millennial Political Convention, which is a nonpartisan and nonprofit convening of millennials of African descent in the U.S. and um, the diaspora, um, is meeting um, at the end of May, beginning of June. Cool. Yeah. And so it's exciting to see how um, millennials are mobilizing, particularly communities of color and um, um, folks gathering to align on um, kind of the future that they want to see. And um, particularly, I'm, I'm interested to see sort of what comes out of it, because um, I was thinking a lot about how all, we have all of these candidates lining up to represent the Democratic Party. And um, all of it, to me, is starting to come down to, like, what future state vision people have mm -hmm. and, um, you know, what most aligns. Obviously, people are concerned about electability and, um, you know, who, who will unify the Democratic Party. And there's a lot of concerns around that. But I'm much more interested in hearing from groups like this, like, What's the future state that people want to work towards? And who are the candidates that are actually aligned with that in terms of their policy and perspective? So I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to just hear, continue to hear collective voices. Yeah, totally. So I read this... Um, I read this report that was published recently by the Brookings Institute, and I found it because LinkedIn linked to it. Um, but here's just some things to note, and I wanted to raise it up because mm -hmm. I do think, um, sort of alluding to my earlier point, like I, I'm really frustrated with like seeing a lot of concern for our future, and mm -hmm. just want to make sure that we're taking proactive steps to to problem solve around it, like. Yeah to um to like uh what's the word to like project planning sort of like operationalize yeah i guess that's what's going on i've just been really inspired by all the people that i work with i work with a ton of millennials and mm. like there's so much amazing talent and i'm really just gunning for us to start pouring that talent into prevent into ensuring that we have the life that we want to leave 50 years from now okay so just for context so Millennials will be between 54 and 69 in the year 2050. Boom. There's a couple facts. Things, facts. <laughs> facts on facts. There's a couple things that we um, have going for us. We have more education than previous generations. We are going to likely live longer lives. And we also have more flexible hours associated with work. Mm. Cool. Um, we def They define having adequate retirement savings as having enough savings to provide for a standard of living that's commensurate with your standard of living during working years. You should also anticipate a replacement income of about 75 to 80% of what you make during working. And a lot of that you can anticipate like you're, you know, if, you, if we still are able to rely on things like Medicaid, mm -hmm. 
Medicare? Mm-hmm. I can never remember which one. Medicare? I don't remember either. I never remember which one is about being old. But Medicare, um, you also, like, conceivably won't be supporting kids mm-hmm. anymore. So you have you can rely on 38 to 85%. Um, here are some things that are happening. One, there's... Well, I what? also will say, if we're probably having children older... 50 to 64, to me, still seems like in a range where we might have dependents. 54 to 69. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I think that's just what they're identifying. But that doesn't mean that's when we're retiring. We're not oh, okay, necessarily okay. retiring. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. We're but just, that's just, we just contextualizing looking at a point it. in time. Okay, yeah, great, yeah, yeah, great. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and in fact, that's likely when we won't be retiring. And here's, great. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have a cum- So here are some disadvantages. We have accumulated less wealth over time so far. We have growth in student loan debt, but we do have less credit card debt and other debt. Um, we have early career setbacks in the market, basically from the recession. Mm-hmm. The gig economy defines a lot of our work, including contract work. And then this is something that I found really interesting and a new idea. So there's two kinds of retirement plans. Mm-hmm. There's something called defined benefit, which is like social security, pension plans, like you sign up for, you get this benefit, right. like bar none. Then there's something called defined contribution, which is like an employer-sponsored 401k, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. More and more of us are going to have defined contribution plans because more and more of us are working for employers that provide that. Mm-hmm. But what that means is that there's like less stability across mm-hmm. the board and there's more variance from employer to employer. For example, right now my employer doesn't match my retirement contribution because right. we're a startup. We can't afford to do that. Um, but there's a lot more people that are going to have that sort of like instability. And it also makes us really vulnerable because when you, as the as the contributor aren't necessarily like super proactive about your finances um you're not necessarily setting yourself up for success because you have to actually make sure that you're contributing the right percentages right that you're investing in the in the right you know options like the safer thing like stocks and bonds versus the stock market or you know what i mean yeah yeah so it puts a lot of the onus on us as individuals to be able to set ourselves up for success with our retirement and it's likely that a lot of millennials are not doing that right. because there's, like, a lack of financial education and also just, like, we know that younger generations often don't really, like, put the mental energy into thinking about their retirement mm-hmm. in large part because, like, it's just not an immediate priority. Right, right. So there are a couple advantages for us. One is that we have more education, so we're, like, potentially making more. We have better health, which... We are likely to have better health, longer ability to work, higher savings because we are making more, but we still have the same number of net retirement years as our parent generation because we are living longer. Right. Okay. That's oh, life. That's what a, the what data. A, life. What a double-edged sword. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I just wanted to educate the people so they know. Yeah, no, I think this is really valuable. So then what's... Um, What's your recommendation? What, they what didn't are... give me any. Okay. So I don't know. Gotcha. My recommendation to myself was to make sure that people are educated. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that we probably know. What do you, do? You, what are your thoughts? I think what you're describing is really important for us to think about, which is um, we need to be planning ahead. The future feels a little bit more, um, it feels consistently uncertain in our narratives, but that doesn't mean that there aren't ways that we can be proactive about setting us up for as much success as is feasibly possible or, or is within our control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
I mean, one strategy that I took was I have a friend at work. He's really into financial planning. Like, he was a business slash econ major in undergrad. He, like, worked in finance. We worked together, and he loves talking about this stuff. So I was like, great. If you love this, like, I'm going to schedule lunch, and we're going to just talk about it. Yeah. And I got great advice from him. Like, for example putting my money that was in my Chase savings account yeah. into a Marcus through Goldman Sachs savings account, which right. has a higher yield. Is yeah. that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> that, that was my guess at the word, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. That, that yeah, has yeah, a higher yield. return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, or he gave me advice about investing in CDs. Just, like, things that, like, I don't take the time to learn about because right. I'm not someone that really learns by going online and searching. I don't find that very valuable. Yeah. I'd rather just sit down and have a conversation with someone. But we don't talk to each other about personal finances, I right. think, a or lot money of the time. really at all. Yeah. Or maybe just no one's talking to me because they know I have nothing valuable to say. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, Emma, I'm not going to take your advice. But listen, I learned a lot from that convo about credit card points. Yeah. And yeah. And how to save money. Yeah. Um, so I think my action item here from all of this is just for us to continue to have a conversation so we can learn from each other and make sure that we're helping each other be successful. Yeah. Because there's no reason why we should be going through this alone and blindly. Deal, everyone? Deal yeah, or no deal? Ready? The answer is deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Great. Shall we TBT it? Let's TBT it. I love TBTing it with you. Me too. All right. Who wants to go first? Yours is really good, so why don't I go first? Okay, well. Oh. No, that's fine. I just don't want you to sell yourself short. Oh, true. I'm setting my... I'm, you're going to hate my TBT. It's going to be so boring. You're going to love it. Okay, um, go. So I I know that this is not something unique to our generation, but I do want to throw back to using a tape in one of those like boom boxes and recording songs off of the radio. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember sitting by the radio, like just waiting for a song I wanted to record to come on. And oftentimes what it leads to is a disc where most of the song is captured but then also it's not all of the songs you really love but it's just sort of like <laughs> all right the song is on the radio and i might want to listen to it later you know what i mean yeah so yeah that's a good tbt thanks good one i don't know that i ever had like a recording device but i remember that gotcha being I, a thing i just i had this big pink boom box where i could record like hit record on the the disc player and oh. would record it from the radio oh really yeah Wow, fancy technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, my TBT is the cover by Gary Jules of mm. the Tears for Fears song. All around me are familiar faces, worn out places, worn out faces. Went to school and I was very <laughs> nervous. No, no one knew me. No, no one knew me. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. 
The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to do. Oh my god, I want Insync to do a cover of it with like their snaps. We should write to them. <laughs> if you think if we send them a Spice Girls lollipop, they'll do it. <laughs> we would like a JC Shrande solo on verse two. Of Mad World. It's yeah. Mad World. Um, which was a song. Yeah. And in 2001, Donnie Darko came out. And yes. they did, and this guy, Michael Andrews with Gary Jules, did a cover of it. Oh my God, it was like the most haunting. haunting yeah. Haunt, yes. Haunting. haunting song. Yeah. Um, I just, and it was like one of those, like, deep, spoke to you deeply. What? I was singing the piano part. Oh. Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't you don't remember that part? <laughs> um, and also, Donnie Darko was oh. just... And Jake Gyllenhaal... I mean, Come that was on. Jake Gyllenhaal coming into his own. Yeah. Spotlight was on him, but it was also just a very creepy movie. Mm-hmm. Did you get it? No. Like, did you get it? No, I didn't <laughs> get it. And also then, the actual Tears for Fears original song was a big thing mm-hmm. because of it. So I remember in, like, 2002 or 2003, like, everyone was doing... It was one of those songs that, like, everyone was doing dances to at my mm. high school, like, choreographing dances to because they thought it was, like, under the radar enough that it was cool, but really it was, like... Okay, no, but, like, everyone is, like, listening to that song right now because yeah. of Donnie Darko. Yeah. Anyway... And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad, the dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take, when people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. I can oh. hear this in the microphone, like with the headphones <laughs> on. It, feel, it sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, when man. are we getting? When are we getting a record deal? Um, you know, we could open for NSYNC on our <laughs> tour. <laughs> uh, we can start building a repertoire. Thanks, Gracie. Just floating it into the universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks, Aww, Emma. Thanks. Have a great fortnight. Have a great fortnight to you, too. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, listeners. We'll see you in a fortnight. See you in a fortnight. Oh. Sorry, we didn't. <laughs>